I do remember Lance, you know, being this. I've heard a lot about. I had heard a lot about how good of an athlete he was, incredible triathlete, trying to get in the bike world. And I do remember him pulling up to the Olympic Training Center in an I, white IROC Z. Oh yes, <laughs> with some oh. baggy Z Cavaricis <laughs> on, Afro, and funniest like shoes that i don't know i would have never wore them back then but now oh my gosh there's no way you can pull it off anytime but dylan can you turn the air back on that's awesome what were you shit just warmed up in here real quick is that where you were blaring your iron maiden in the irock yeah yeah i drove from uh plano up to colorado springs you were like joe dirt it was i told i mean when we talked about the other day we talked about music and we were talking about maiden i said i grew up just a white trash punk kid so an iraq was a dream it was uh yeah i i don't really want to talk any more about it <laughs> buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated but there's a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, all fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find the best deals, and get you the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code STAGES, S-T-A-G-E-S, today. That's promo code STAGES for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, welcome back to the Stages Podcast. You got myself, Lance Armstrong, my co-host, J.B. Hager, Jeffrey Benedict Hager. Yep. And then again today, still special guest, still special guest, <laughs> third wheel, George Hinkappy. <laughs> third wheel, I like it. First time I think I've ever been called that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, George, somebody sent us, and we'll talk about today in a second, but somebody sent me the dirtiest picture of you and me at the 1994 uh, Vuelta Mexico, or Tour Mexico. <laughs> oh, man. Dude. Yeah, I just saw it when walking in here. It the, was so filled. You had a hairnet on. The hairnet game was strong back then. I don't know what we were thinking. And I was rocking the rain. I had the rainbow jersey and I had like zipped down. I mean, it was like so bad. <laughs> you know, you forget how long guys like you have known each other. How old were you two when you first met? Of course, I'm here with Lance and George, and you guys, a lot of people know how long you raced together, but yep. when did it start? It started 30 years ago. Started in. in uh, in 19, almost 30 years. It started in 1989. This might be fun. Do you guys, do you remember the first time you met each other? Any, any f initial <laughs> thoughts or, I know it's going way back. Uh, Surely you remember something. Maybe we should not talk about oh, this. Oh, come on. I could, do, I could do a quick little answer. I Please. probably remember 
I don't remember. I want to have you two fighting before this. Is By out. the way, I have the worst memory when it comes to like <laughs> races and what happened 20 years ago. But I do remember Lance, you know, being this. I've heard a lot about. I had heard a lot about how good of an athlete he was, incredible triathlete, trying to get in the bike world. And I do remember him pulling up to the Olympic Training Center in an I white IROC Z. Oh yes, <laughs> with some oh. baggy Z Cavariccis <laughs> on, Afro and. Funniest like shoes that I don't know. I would have never wore them back then, but now. Oh you, my gosh! There's no way you could pull it off anytime. But Dylan, can you turn the air funny. back on? That's awesome. What were you? Shit just warmed up in here real quick. Is that where you were blaring your Iron Maiden in the I Rock? Yeah, oh yeah. God, I drove you... from uh, Plano up to Colorado Springs. You were like Joe Dirt. It was. I told. I mean, when we talked about the other day, we talked about music, and we were talking about Maiden. I said I grew up just a white trash punk kid so an i rock was a dream it was uh yeah i i don't really want to talk any more about it but since he threw you under the bus what was your first i only have great memories george was classy he was dressed straight out of gq he was, was he gq back then no, no. no. he Come had a, his hair was <laughs> no but uh i think our first meeting was at the at the uh mechanics room at the olympic training center mm -hmm. And it was run by, for those who have been around cycling for a long time, you'll remember a guy named Bill Woodall, who was a legend of a man, but was the grumpiest motherfucker that ever lived. He hated people. Yeah. He hated everybody. You, would, he, you would walk in and say, what do you want? Yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> but he loved, he loved Texans. And he wasn't from Texas, but he, had the, he loved the mystique of Texas. So from day one, Woodall was like the greatest guy to me and i'm looking at everybody like what's the what, what, what are you guys complaining about this is a nice guy so what unfortunately uh, bill passed away of cancer god it's been 15 years probably but uh that, that was when it all started at the you know at, at the otc as they call it and um yeah you forget how, i mean just how long you guys have been friends yeah i don't think i don't know of any falling out over those 30 years was there ever one? jeff Novitsky tried hard yeah 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 he he tried real hard but uh you know he got he got the big job at the ufc and we're still friends it's all good very cool <laughs> huh well we're actually here to talk about today's stage well, yeah, I think that, at let's some do point, it right we should talk about it and uh although it was and i think we all agree sitting there i mean it was kind of a snoozer for for the final uh climbing test of this year's tour you know i don't know what we expected but of course, everybody watching, you want more, right? You want some action, you want some pain and suffering, some, some time gaps, and uh, you know, it was. It, I guess it was as predicted. I mean, both between AG2R and Team Sky, the race was very controlled. The one thing that we didn't pre predict is this Warren Bargill, this kid. What? So early. By the way, this the... is his second stage win, and right. he almost he was a, he was a centimeter from getting another one, so that would have been three. So I, to me, the takeaways are he rode a hell of a race. He rode a way. It's not like he was in the break. By the way, the, the first break was 54 riders. I don't even know if we can how you call that a break. Um, it wasn't like he was in there. He rode away from all the best guys in the polka dot jersey for his second stage win. So that's one big storyline. And the other one is that team, Team before, Sunway. Wait, before you go away from the polka dot jersey, because early— My favorite jersey. I know it. The first week of the Stages podcast, in the first few couple days, you didn't have exactly a lot of love for the polka dot jersey because you saw it as opportunists and just grabbing points. D 
does this change your opinion of it with Bargill's performance? Well, my point at the beginning of this tour was that it's it's typically, uh, and and just based on my own experience, but also based on the experience of watching through the years, it's a jersey for 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 the attacker, the guy that's in that group of fifty four that's just getting points, getting points, and he's getting these these points, you know, when when it's just opportunistic, and and now. I think he obviously today he rode away from the lead group. They are not concerned about him. If you did a time trial up the Mont Ventoux tomorrow, he would not win, right? Chris Froome would probably win that time, right. tri- time trial or Bardet. So, you know, pure mano y mano. I don't think he's the best climber in the Tour de France, but that's that's not. Uh, but he's also not an opportunistic, you know, or, or an opportunist. He, he's mm-hmm. he's he's earned it. And so, for the first time in a long time, it's somebody that uh, you probably ride into Paris. So the, that that contest is over, so he's going to ride into Paris, deserving it. And I the think. French people will be pretty happy, I assume. I think the French people or cycling fans in France should should look at this tour and go, "Oh my God!" and ask, "Are we back?" Right? The, all these years of of just being total and complete pack feel. Are we back? I think I, I I would I would say you might be you need to find somebody that can time trial. But so it's yeah. been it's been a long dry spell for him. It's it's like the Canadians not having the Stanley Cup, right? It's just unspeakable at times. Right. Yeah, it's, the it's, Nashville team was in the Stanley Cup. Right? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, they got four stage wins this year's tour. Is that correct? And the French riders. Yeah, Mountain Jersey and most likely podium at the end of the tour. Yeah. And you wanted to talk about Sunweb. And George, I know this is awkward, and I have my back to you. <laughs> That's, That's right. the confines of a, of a mobile he, when, when trailer. We were, just when he and I were alone <laughs> earlier, he said, you know, I really, it's really not cool that JB has his back to me. <laughs> just, I'm trying to. Anyway, uh, <laughs> please chime in, because you, you, I think you guys wanted to talk a bit about Sunweb and what they're building. Yeah. yeah well, not only what, was Bargy's ride impressive today, but you got to remember, they were not going. When he attacked, sure, they let him go, but he got the gap initially, and he held a minute, 50-second gap on Froome and uh, Bardet and Uran, who were not going slow. They were attacking each other, and they were going full gas up that mountain. So he did a really incredible ride up the, the Zawar today. Yeah, he's so hard. <laughs> so hard. And the poor Colombian guy. You know, and We talked yesterday about Colombian Independence Day. This kid was like... He was out there. He was sure that... It was the, all the hometown papers. But not Bargill was... You know, the other thing that struck me is these guys are so skinny now. Like that, I mean, so lean, so skinny. Little, in, in my view. Like we were, in particular, looking at Bargill. At Bargill the and Bardet. How big them. of a guy? I mean, how small are these guys? They're, they're you know... They're small. They're, 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 they're little. You know, they're, they're narrow. They're... Uh, you talked... Um, Early, early in this stages podcast too, that two pounds on your frame can make a big difference when mm-hmm. you start climbing. On the bike frame, or on no, the on, body, on, on, on the, the body. You sure. were talking about two pounds yeah. off yourself yeah. in the first. No, no week. doubt, that's, no, yeah. that's unreal. Those guys are so in tune with their bodies, I and mean, they can definitely feel two pound difference. Yeah, the other thing, just to the, to finish up on Sunweb. I mean, not only so that you have a team that's that's got. How many stage wins now? Uh, four. four. Matthews yeah. has two. Yep. Bargill has two. They have the polka dot jersey. They have the green jersey. Both of those jerseys are, are locked up. Uh, but let's not forget, is, is if some are, well, if 
there are people that will say this tour tour has been boring. I might argue we're going to get into it, but you know, Chris Froome only has a 23 second lead. I have a lot of thoughts about that, but for people who thinks that this is sort of predictable and monotonous, let's not forget that the tour of Italy, this, you know, just six weeks ago was one of the most exciting bike races that we've seen in decades. And, and Tom Dumoulin, the Dutch rider from team Sunweb won that. So, I mean, this team's having a hell of a season. All right. We were expecting, um, Bardet or Iran to attack today. They, obviously would have if they had the legs yep. they just couldn't do it right i mean it, it, they don't want to leave it all for a time trial like you but it should have happened today if it was going to happen right? yeah well they tried uh iran didn't try but he to me he looked like after bardet went and then Froome countered and then there was that small downhill coming back up iran was on the limit and you saw it at the finish a little gapped off and uh but Froome is he's he's got not only uh, he's he's riding how he's riding, but he's got Miko Landa, who they tried to do the they tried to pull one over on the bunch today. Which, Explain that. What was the tactic with sending Landa up? I I still I still think, and I want George to chime in here because I I thought a week ago that, and I still think it. I still think that uh, that there was some tension there, but I I suspect he got his hand slapped just enough that that, um, and also too. Despite leaving the team, which I, I still insist he's leaving, you don't want that. Everybody can see that. You don't want your new team to know that you're not a team guy. Not you don't loyal. want the sport to know that. You don't want the journalists and the fans to know that. Um, but he he got put in line. He rode a he rode a team race today, and they were clearly trying to send send him up the road, make the others work, and see if they can get two guys on the podium, which they still might do. I'm looking. Yeah, at that looked to me that I don't I don't think that. I wouldn't imagine that was a plan tactic. I think probably Froome just made that decision right there. Like, hey, you know, Landa's pulling. He's doing a great pace. I'm going to let these guys see what they have. And he saw right away that they didn't go with Landa. And uh, then Froome put in that big attack right right before the downhill. So I think that was kind of a decision that was made right there on the spot. But, George, when a week ago, the the I forget the, the uphill finish there on uh, in the Pyrenees. I mean, what was your sense of – or your opinion of, of how Landa rode that day? I thought he was doing a great job for the team. Um, you know, that last Mr. Nice three, well, <laughs> think about it. It's one kilometer. It was a 15% climb. There's thousands of people on this, on the, on the side of the road. Yeah. He looked back, he saw a room and he didn't sit up, but it was 200 meters to go at that point. Um, but certainly his comments afterwards were a little bit, you know, um, thinking about his own race and how far he can go, which, we all know it's a lot different when you're not you're not under pressure to perform like that. It'll be interesting to see how he goes next year when he will um, arguably have that pressure, um, unless they give it to Quintana, and we don't know what that's going to happen with that. But yeah, we'll see how he um, performs under the pressure next year. Here's a question for you, George: Is because it it seems obvious to me that uh, when riders leave Team Sky. You know, this is what happens. They're on a uh, on a big team. They perform at the highest level. They're impressive. They're outstanding. They're et cetera, et cetera. They look is always like oh, you know, Richie Port could have was stronger than Chris, but he had to be. You know, so then these teams hire them. They never materialize. I mean, other than I mean, I had Port as my favorite before this thing, but if you look at the history of this, when they leave Team Sky, it's they're not, and of course they get heavily recruited, paid a lot to leave. But they're but, really as strong as the team they're on, to I, a degree. It just, it just is. I, it's, it's, it's. I, I find it odd. 
Uran was on Sky, wasn't he? Yep. I mean, he's materializing. Yeah, he uh, is. So you gotta don't leave him out. Right, this is not. This is a podcast where you disagree. <laughs> this is not. You don't disagree. You I don't. want to hear. I mean, <laughs> don't let the fucking facts get in the way here. <laughs> George, so, I want to hear, I wanna hear George what, be critical of something. Generally let's, speaking, yeah, you're right. But I mean, you can't you can't discount what Ron's doing this tour and. He's still in it in the shop for the win. Let's get a uh, Vino on the phone and ask him how much he paid Iran for that Olympic gold medal. <laughs> when you're up against the barriers on the left side and, and the sprint's about to start and you look left, was he like looking at a pretty girl in the in the fa- in the stands? That's... He, might have, he might have acquired a couple oil fields or something in Astana. You know, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> some, some mineral rights. <laughs> so uh, before we jump into Q and A, and we're going to try some Facebook Live comments with Lance. That should be entertaining. That's coming up. But uh, we did see a good example today of the sticky bottle. Yeah. And you know, and I know we talked about it early in the podcast, but you saw somebody, a writer, get upset because he's up the road with a guy and. Explain the sticky bottle to everybody because we saw it just so free and clear today. What you had, uh, well, you had the Astana rider, I forget his name, and then you had the rider from Kofidis, and you had the Astana car with them. You didn't have a Kofidis car. So the interesting thing for me is, is you you, ha- you saw an example of a team feeding two riders, right? So knowing that it, it's just we talked a lot this tour about etiquette, but he doesn't have his team car there. He needs a bottle. Granted, it's going to be an Astana bottle, but he, you know, I think it's kind of cool that, mm-hmm. hey, I need a bottle. You know, there's, I mean, it would be super uncool if you're like, no, nope, sorry, we're running low on bottles or, but the sticky bottle, it's, it's not so much as, to me, it's less sticky bottle, but more of just a, a hand sling, you know, it's, which mm-hmm. that's what they call a sticky, but it's just a little, uh, you know, just a little extended hold of that water bottle. But meanwhile, the director's, flooring the gas in the car so that it, it's a nice little sling a little push it's like a soft handshake if someone <laughs> hands you a bottle and does not give you any any kind of love it's like when somebody gives you a really soft warm Ooh. wet handshake you always got to question <laughs> that and wonder what they're doing driving the car or whatever <laughs> right another thing we saw today that uh, i'd love more commentary on because the average fan just gets mind blown when they are up at these summit finishes and the fans are all there. We saw the the moto guy just completely take someone out, like just shoved him into it. Right. I missed that. I was I was <laughs> looking the other way and <laughs> on a day like today, I'm sure these motos have gotten real strict, um, you know, um, direction for the day to make make sure a fan does not dictate what happens in the race. Yeah. I mean, today especially. The last mountain stage, so they were on it today. Well, I just, you know, as a, watching it as an American, if 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 anybody officially tied to a race knocked over a fan, there'd be lawyers lined up, <laughs> right? Yeah. And there it's sort of like, is there just more of an attitude of, hey, if you interfere with the course, you're liable for yourself? Are they better about that over there? Does that make well, sense? I, I, a little bit, but uh, again, you know, I, it's, I don't like talking about lawyers, JB. Uh, <laughs> no. But I, I think Europeans in general are less litigious than Americans. Yeah, it, just I like, just they must yeah. be yeah. watching what I'm seeing. Uh, George, you pointed out uh, as we were watching today, there's 11 teams that still don't have a stage win. Yep. yep. And so now you're getting into crunch time to where a stage win, they you know, justifies everything to the team, fans, sponsors. And there's one chance left. I mean, tomorrow because the uh, you know the time trial is going to be won by 
probably one of the GC guys, I would guess. If not, um, I don't see one of the guys on one of those 11 teams winning the time trial. And the and the Shams is going to be won by a sprinter team. So, But it could be Buhani. I yeah, mean, no, for know, sure. The Shams got... is a chance for some of the sprinter teams, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But the, you know, the Rulera type teams, you know, which is probably 90% of the teams that are left that haven't won a stage, their directors are on them. They have to be in the breakaway tomorrow, huh. and they have to be. I mean, there's a high-stress situation for tomorrow. And it's the longest stage of the Tour de France, so it's going to be a tough day. Lumpy. What is that length? That's the what longest they, one. 222 kilometers. Yeah. Which, which they is, never show on TV is how hard, and Lance, you remember how hard those first hours of the races sucks. are. Completely when there's sucks. 30, 40 guys trying to get in a breakaway. I mean, there's some arguably not nothing much harder than that, and you never see that on TV. So that's something to to watch for tomorrow because stakes are high for these eleven teams that don't have a stage win. Yep. It's like cover every break. Absolutely, they have I to mean, have a man you, in the break. By the time Otherwise, we, at this point, if they if a team misses the break, you will see these 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 jitback teams. They'll start pulling. Yep. They have no, their director will say you you have to go to the front. I mean, it's the most miserable. <laughs> yeah. Even if they have very little chance of winning, they have to at least put themselves in the uh, situation where they'll have a chance no matter how small it is right it's that's a very i mean that's a bizarre thing about cycling like yeah. where you're literally like our sponsors are on the line here we have to perform something today yeah, I mean, I don't, you, a lot you of have sp- to you have to expect that the sponsor or sponsors multiple right and mm-hmm. they could be getting it could be one phone call it could be 10 phone calls calling the gm going or the team owner or the director going, what what what's going on here? Are you not in this race? By the way, just for the American fans, 222K is 137 miles with a 15-minute neutral. So just call it 142. That's a long day. Mm-hmm. Going to be hot. Never flat. Yeah, George. Yeah, I mean, the first hard. Look, the first hour is just up and down, up and down. Category 3 climb at 26K. I mean, it is going to... That gun's going down, it, or the flag goes down. It's just... And we, by the time we turn on the covers, the breakaway is usually established. Right. So we miss that, but there will be some hardcore racing going on at the start tomorrow. Yeah. Well, th- this I'm going to paraphrase a question that came in a couple days ago, and it's great to have both of you here to talk about it. And so, forgive me for not knowing who sent it in, but I think it was a woman who asked. It, there seems to be a lot of teams who are not winning stages and don't have a GC contender, don't have a sprinter. Why are they there? I, I know that sounds like a brutal question, but why is a team in the, in the tour? I wish you'd give us an example. I mean, there's look, there's a lot of it's it is a French race. It's their race, so we don't get to pick who goes, and the UCI, the governing body, doesn't get to pick. There, you know, there's I don't know how many wild cards, and they get to pick. So they typically they show favoritism towards the French teams, which is fine. There's plenty of other cycling teams in the world that are a lot better mm-hmm. but that's that's not here nor there um and so yeah th- these other teams those teams are probably not getting calls just the fact that they got selected they're in this race when they net net shouldn't and don't deserve to be they're not getting the calls it's the other teams that are that are stressing out that the, the i mean look at team bmc 20 million dollar year budget done more than 20 george probably 30 I don't know squaduch. what the budget is, but it's a lot. Squaduch. Well, they did have bad luck. They got they lost Richie. But. Right, but guess what? When the sponsor calls, and you say we've had a lot of bad luck. 
I got my money on Ben Avamar tomorrow, so hopefully um, he'll pull you've, through. You've been saying that. You said that three <laughs> times to me on text. Yeah. Is there? Uh, this is a not about question. tomorrow, but other three other days. Yeah. Can you guys recollect a year where there's absolutely a rider that p- would be a GC favorite for the the tour, and their team doesn't get an invite? Has that happened? We barely got an invite. I mean, we were one of the wildcard teams in 2010 with BMC, so I've been on that side of the fence as well. And, um, you know, we got we had the world champion with Cadell Evans. Um, but in terms of a, a, a GC favorite, I do not recall. I want to. I mean, some of those years, I don't know, with, with Pantani and some of those years, there might have been, you know, it, it's not, they would have been trying to make a statement, an anti-doping statement where it's, oh, you know, but I don't remember exactly uh, that happening or how it happened if it did. But no, they they want the best the best riders in the world, yep. so they can DQ them. So they can de- <laughs> DQ them. Some guy I meant to show you guys. Some guy, it's crazy. Like shit shows up at the house. Some guy sends me uh, uh, three T-shirts today that that have the jerseys on them, and it says Peter Sagan. So it's S A G. O N E, and then there's like a... I think Jonathan sent those. My buddy that was here the other oh, day. What, how, oh, from his nephew or his... yeah, gotcha. I was like, how did that get here? I think that came from Jonathan. Okay, well we got three of them. Okay, we all, in all our sizes. <laughs> XXL. Yeah. Okay. By but, the way, people ask, several people asked too who were shopping in the We Do Shop what size you wear. Large. I'm a large. Used to be a medium at one point <laughs> in my life, but I will never be an extra large. Mark my words. You know, while we're talking clothing, it, it's funny, and I'm going to throw you guys under the bus a little bit, but you, you started to get a little bit of a girl chat going, talking about the uh, clothing design. <laughs> now, and it's good to have George in here today because he has, a, you know, an apparel company. So I think it's interesting to hear you guys comment about the trends in cycling gear and it totally, shifts all the time. Total, well, it sh- certainly shifted from the days that we raced. I mean, you'd have never caught us in in, in a skin suit, an aero suit on a road stage. Just yeah, no. They pretty much all wear them now. now they all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody asked, maybe it was you, like, how do you take a leak, right? If you have a skin suit on, or Dylan, I think Dylan asked. Dylan yeah. asked, yeah. It's yeah. a good question. I mean, because you nobody takes a leak in a time trial where they're wearing the skin suit, but they've got them built up so that they can access certain things i guess <laughs> you make clothes i don't know shit i don't i mean i wear i wear the same baggy stuff i always wore yeah you do i i, I know that <laughs> but um yeah they have oh, sore they subject. have a they have a hole in the front of the jersey and they can uh you know do their do their business when they need to are, are you guys shocked at how many people ask about doing the business on a bike and you're 30 years of doing it no <laughs> no was... you still get asked it all the time it's just, it's mind-boggling how many people ask, how do you pee on a bike? Yeah. <laughs> Takes some time to, to learn, but you, 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 you have to learn as a pro. Um, you guys were also talking, you didn't really bite on that, saying that you were talking like girls about the apparel. <laughs> no, but it, it, it has changed. I mean, you see uh, the fact that a lot of these jerseys, or we call them kits, are really mm-hmm. aero, aero like kits, right? And but the the length of the sleeve has changed, and it's just you know. Yeah, they just it's just more. I, I feel like it's more. It's sleeker now. They want the the material to be lighter. They want it to be more aero. So the jerseys are tighter. They're lighter. The sleeves are longer. The shorts are longer for the most part, and I think it looks better as well. 
Well, you like the average weekend warrior. We see those sleeves those guys are wearing with, and they have very, they don't need upper arm strength, right? So they intentionally yeah. let that go. Then weekend warriors like us buy that jersey, and the first <laughs> thing you got to do is cut the sleeves off. Yeah. No, if you're not, yeah, if you're not four percent body fat, it doesn't look the same. No, it just. It, and it's, I hate to tell you guys at home with with twenty four percent, it's it just looks different. All right. Um, it was also funny hearing you guys talk technology, um, especially about mountain bikes. I, I think our audience would get a kick of hearing of hearing about that. Because George started talking about electronic shocks, and you about jumped out of your seat like, do I need that? Do I need that? Well, we went mountain biking yesterday after the podcast, and, and one of the fellows on the ride had uh, had his, his – well, you can basically turn your shocks off and on. So, But I don't need that. So I thought the same thing, and uh, I did Cape Epic, and I had that. And literally, I was using that electronic shock lockout probably – 50 times a minute or maybe a little a lot it was like a video game you use it so much once you get used to it and it actually malfunctioned something went wrong with it about a month ago and i i emailed the uh, the makers and they got me they got me a new one right away but i pretty much couldn't ride without it anymore george do you spend more time on the mountain bike nowadays i keep hearing you talk about this tennis nah, thing i've been slacking on the mountain bike lately uh just i got yeah. i rode a bunch for getting ready for do this 24-hour Pueblo with Lance and Dylan and Christian, and then I did Cape Epic, so I rode a bunch in the spring. But I haven't lately. I'm looking for another goal to get me back on the mountain bike, though. I love mountain biking. Very cool. He, JB, he, these boys, all three of them, well, of course, it was my fault. I got us into this 24-hour thing, and some of you listening might have listened to the, the actual podcast that we did from there, but... Boy, was I unpopular. You know, it was at 3 in no the morning. No one was happy once they were there. in the morning, man, I was... I love I, that you, you challenged. I thought, all I, your thought I had haters. I had I added three haters that night, <laughs> and they and I thought they were my friends. I mean, for the the average cyclist, I think unless we have some sort of race or ride or some kind of program ahead of us, it's hard to maintain it. Do you guys find yourself putting a challenge in front of you just so you stay tuned up? Yeah, I I, I do. I think it's. But I bought. But I've done that for thirty years. Right. If you don't have something to to train for, aim for, think about, get you out the door every morning. Yeah, I like to give myself one good challenge a year. Now I don't want to do it all the time. It's not my thing anymore. But it's nice to it's nice to try to get fit for uh, an adventure on on occasion. You know, also early in this podcast, Lance talked about um, how you you weren't really. A, into your bike for a while yeah you, you started doing all kinds of other things i've heard you mention uh tennis george did you ever when you hung up the bike just i mean how long did you walk away from it or did you no never did <laughs> he I mean, still trains maybe, like he's a pro oh, whatever two hours <laughs> is not training like a pro but uh no I, I kept riding um you know i took of course i take days off i don't ride every day but i still love to ride the bike but do you still get on it and and ride like a, a training program no, and, and do intervals not. and I'll never it's all hit, fun. I'll never hit a set button again on my computer for an inter interval that's for sure. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I well, woke up with a little cough. <laughs> hey, before we uh, get to questions, I, I want to talk about. Uh, I, I don't think I want we address tomorrow. It's it's a it's a day where a big group's going to go. It's going to be hectic. It's going to be hard. The GC guys. All they're thinking about tomorrow is the time trial. So all they got to do is get through tomorrow, conserve as much as they can, but they know that, that they've got, they got a big day the next day. And I look at this GC, and for what you know, people think this race, it could get real exciting real quick. 
You got Bardet 23 seconds down, Uran 29 seconds down, and then land a little further down. Think about it. One flat tire at a run. I mean, look at all. We've talked a lot, and we've had a lot of questions about the mechanicals. I mean, a mechanical issue, a flat tire, a crash. Anything can happen. I mean, and these guys who it just seems are a little more prone to, to technical issues, any, any one of three of those things happen, and they lose. It's that's that, and they're all thinking about. It. Chris Froome is going, okay, I can time trial better than all these guys. I got it, but got to stay on my bike, got to keep the chain on the bike, can't get a flat tire. So it's and it's not. It's a technical time trial too. You have a, you have a there's a little steep schnock in the middle. Yeah. Over schnock. A, schnock. Schnock is the climb. <laughs> schnock. It's George. I don't know if you listened to the day that I had to go through and, and, and under and explain quacking. Oh, okay. And who and what a quacker <laughs> yeah. is. And there's a lot of quacking going on mm-hmm. in the Peloton. You don't want to be a quacker. And that'll be going on a ton tomorrow. No, the, no the, matter who's in the lead. The start of this race is going to be some serious quacking. Yeah. But the schnock is is a steep little punchy climb that that has shit, I thought Marseille was flat. Do we know if those are actually real words, by the way, or that's just something that's like real Belgian word or? Well, we ran, we we grew up racing with yeah. all Belgians, and the staff was Belgian. I thought they were real words. Whatever, <laughs> there are words if they're not. But this is a uh, this is they're thinking about this TT tomorrow, and they know that they just can't have a, a, a one technical, uh, no, one club. You it's, can't it's make that, a mistake. Twenty three seconds. And this is, uh, sh- time trial tor- terms, this is pretty short, right? Does that... It's very short. Right. It's 22 kilometers. Like, Froome would probably rather see a long one, take less risk, and grind it out with his talent, right? Well, he's, he's, he's a better uh, time trialist than Bardet, for sure. Iran is yet to be seen. He's done good time trials in the past. Won uh, the Giro time trial in yeah. 2014, yeah, he's, he's which no, was a hard one, with yeah. a bunch of little schnocks. See, <laughs> so guys, just I look at this I, like twenty three seconds is not a lot of time, and and for and probably more importantly, twenty nine seconds for Uran is what is that like? I mean, that people know if they're listening to this, they probably know both both of you guys could really motor in a time trial. What is that little schnock midway? I think it's like a nine percenter. Mm-hmm. What does that do to you? As far as rhythm, you know, bike setup, not enough to even change your bike at all, or no, no, not bike. No. Maybe gears. I mean, they might want to see if they can get over that schnock in the big <laughs> chain ring and have a little bit bigger yeah, in the it's back. One point two k at, at nine and a half percent. Yeah, that's, no, they're going small. They're going small ring. So uh, that's a. I mean, it sounds stupid that we're even, talk, but just the shift. I mean, they are when they shift to the small ring, they're going okay. I mean, it happens all the time where that chain drops. Shit, if that chain drops at the bottom of a steep climb, it's hard, you know, not easy to get back on. You're getting off the bike, doing it with your hand, but all I'm saying is it could be an issue. And if for people that think it's boring or it's been uneventful, I say anything can happen and, and I'm be excited to watch. Speaking of the shift, we were talking about electronic shifting on mountain biking. You do not have a big chain ring shifter anymore. You get to the point where you're getting to not the right ratio and it'll drop down to the small chain ring. For you automatically and i think i did what? hear th- yeah what are you talking about i did hear they're going to try to implement that on the time trial bikes i do not know if they have them any for, wait, 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 for hey saturday on, back up what are you so talking about so if you're in the, in the big chain ring on the mountain exactly because you don't have electronic shift if you're in the big chain ring on the mountain bike and you're <laughs> shifting up to the back to the you know the 28 or the 29 as soon as you get to that gear where the chain is stretched too much 
it gives you a beep and the next shift it'll automatically drop down to the small chain ring and drop down in the back cassette which is actually super cool and super intuitive it's it's weird at first but once you ride it a couple of days you just it's, yeah i it's would really want a cool. little advance warning that my oh, bike sure. is going to shift for yeah you get a little beep and the next shift wow it shifts for but you by the way i do have electronic shifting what are you talking about on your on your mountain bike Oh. That's what we were talking about. Oh. No, I don't have it on my mountain bike. I thought we were talking about the... Ro okay. Yeah. My bad. But they were trying to implement that, I heard, on the time trial bikes. I don't know if they did or not, but that's... Um, well, we, you guys want to field some questions? Couple. All right. By the way, I think we should add a shirt for women in the We Do shop that just says schnockers. <laughs> no? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. David Davidson writes, hi there from Angola, West Africa. Great podcast and has become a must watch. Do you guys want to cover the Vuelta as well? Keep up the good work. Thank you. I know. The no, we that. won't be covering the Vuelta. <laughs> this, this, I'm looking a lot of people are asking that. So yeah. I just thought it was good to address it. Yeah. No, no. Pat writes, uh, why don't they do something about fans with the flags, the impeding of riders? It seems so reckless and dangerous. It's hard to barricade a 100-mile course. I mean, they've done better in terms of the finish climbs where they've brought down the barricades further down uh, to, away from the finish, but it's virtually impossible to barricade a you know 120-mile course. Ralph writes... Um, can I just add one thing? It's interesting to me when you... The fans don't want to be behind the barriers. right? You see mm -hmm. in these mountain stages... You, and, and the casual fan looks at it as like, oh, my God, you're riding through a sea of people. As soon as you hit 2K to go and they, and they add the barriers, there's no people. Like, they don't want to be held back. Like, they're, no, no, I'm not standing mm. behind this, this they barrier. They want to be close. They want to mm. be, yeah, they want to literally reach out and touch the rider. So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Especially in their skin suits. They're more touchable. <laughs> you're, you're on form today, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph writes, um, there seems to be a record number of withdrawals this year, almost 30. Is that high or is that average? Anything you would attribute to that? I would I would say I it's average. I think it's average. Yeah. I've, I've seen... Three-week three week wait race, yep. crashes, illnesses. It's pretty average, I would say. I mean, the, we know the things that thin out that field more than anything. It's it's the temperature. It's the difficulty of the, of the course that they've selected. Uh, major crashes. I mean, if you have a few major pileups, that just gets rid of a handful of guys. So we haven't, although we've had a little bit of all of those things, it's not, it's not been that extreme. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is interesting. Something I never thought about. Chad writes, is there any rhyme or reason to how people line up at the start? We, you might see if you're watching some preview, you'll see them roll out. It's, it's more ceremonial, is it not? Um, yeah, so it's the, you know, the, the, the race, the tour, they want the, all the jerseys represented on the start line. So they'll have the yellow, the green, the polka dot, and the white on the, on, on the front row. And then they'll, you know, inevitably there, there's all the local mayors there and they're shaking hands and it's all good. But as I talked about a second ago, every day has a neutral. So you could start dead ass last and you know that and the neutral slow, it's not, Nobody's jockeying for position in the neutral necessarily, but you could, there's no incentive to be in the front. And there's no, certainly no, other than those jerseys being represented, there's no 
call up. Right. You're like you would well, see. Unless unless your your plan is to attack at kilometer zero, then you're gonna well, go line up early and start right behind the jerseys. If if it was a short neutral. Yep. But a lot of people don't know that it's more like a rolling start. Like that's you know, right. They, they flag drops. Uh, uh, what do they do? What do they do when it starts after the neutral? Came they on. wave a flag. They, they, they just they yeah, just they, move out of the way. Yeah, they just yep. get out of the way. Well, uh, I don't know what they do now. Back in the day, the director of the tour would would uh, wave a flag out of the top out of the sunroof of the car, the lead yep. car. They still do it. Still do that. And if someone gets a mechanical in that neutral zone, they'll wait till he gets back before they drop that red flag. Okay. Uh, a Runab writes, "Why is George sitting back there like they're in pu- <laughs> getting punished by a teacher?" <laughs> That's not a question for me. <laughs> I don't think we have room for me to sit anywhere else. I was just going to say, we're going to s- snuggle up around I'm this. not I'm not spooning lands for the podcast, so i got to sit back here. And a lot of people have asked about this, to for you, Lance, to share the story of that famous descent where Balaki went down and you went for the hills. Yeah, luckiest, one of the luckiest things that ever happened to me. I mean, it. it there's no explanation for how that unfolded. I mean, it was terrible what happened to Baloki and, and the fact that he, on that day, which was so hot, and those roads that were literally the tar was bubbling up. So he, there's nothing he could have done. When that tire caught the tar, it, it, it was like it just, it just grabbed it. It just stuck. And so he high-sided. Right? Typically when people crash, they fall to the inside, slide more. When that caught that tire, he went all the way to the left side, high sided, and the impact was tremendous. I'm sitting right behind him, and it was a fast, nervous downhill. And I'm going, all right. Then I'm thinking, obviously, I'm this is I'm thinking, I have to think fast. But I'm like, all right, I either hit this guy, I can't go right because there's no way I could get the bike to go right. I'm like, all right, I have to go left. And so when I went left. You know, everybody thinks and remembers about riding through the field, but what if you go back and look at the footage, the way the farmer got into that field every day or whenever he went in, he, he had created, there was drainage ditches all along the side of the road. But there was a piece that had been leveled out so that he could get his tractor in and out of there. Well, what are the chances? I mean, if that crash happens 20 yards sooner or 20 yards later, I'm headfirst into the ditch and it is unsavable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 it would have been a terrible crash. That was career ender for Beloki. Yeah, he never recovered. Um, and so, whatever. I mean, I, it, the path was there. I was like, all right, here I go. And then I'm in this damn field running over these dried up corn stalks. And I'm like, oh, for sure, I'm going to get a flat. There's no way I don't puncture in here. And then I know that I can't turn around and go back. I'm like, all right. And then I look over and I see the race coming around the bend. And I thought, oh. And as I got closer to the road i realized there was there wasn't a path so what i just described on the way in so i was like all right (laughs) fuck it i gotta get off and jump crazy but the fact that his little path was there people think people thought that was thinking yeah they thought they think it was skill that was it takes a little skill but the the luck that was involved to have that just to to be right then and right there so lucky. And then not to get run over by the guys coming around the corner when you jumped in the middle of the road <laughs> <No>. <laughs> with your bike in your hand. Yeah. yeah. Tyler Hamilton with his broken collarbone reached out to give me a hand sling. I thought, that's pretty impressive yeah. with a guy with a broken collarbone. Well, Remember you know, that? Yeah. I mean, this is a testament to the luck that is involved. Yep. And you've said that again and again. And although there's only a few days left, 
that can come into play. Yep. Hey, the bike race ends on the last lap in Paris. Yeah. I mean, if you don't cross the finish line, you know, talk about short. That's now 103 kilometers. How great is that? I know. It used to be they'd have 150, 160. We don't want to ride. Which is actually also quite technical, dangerous circuit. I mean, it's, I'm surprised nothing's oh, really sure. ever happened there for the GC guys. And if it's under 30 seconds still, which it probably won't be, but if it's still close, it's, it's going to be down to the wire. Leave your questions and comments on the comments section if you're watching on Facebook, and I go yeah. through those every day for the next day. I'll be happy to do that. Uh, for tomorrow, so you guys can go get on the bike today. Check out We and Do Shop. And I got to study for Troy Aikman. That's right. Which is that's big. And I have a lunch date with my six-year-old daughter. That's 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 actually the most important thing I'm doing today. Subscribe to the Forward Podcast as well if you haven't already, because you'll get that Troy Aikman interview soon. We Do Shop dot com. Ten percent of the merch goes to World Bicycle Relief. WorldBicycleRelief.org if you want more information on that. Send comments to stages at wedosport.com, W-E-D-U. And if you're just watching this on Facebook and have not gotten the podcast feed, go to stagespodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, George, guys. thanks for sitting in here. Tomorrow, wait, should we just add real quick, so George is going to take the day off. This is He's over it. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, our mutual friend and old teammate and, and good buddy of ours, Dylan Casey, is going to sit in and talk about a lot of other things, different things, in, in just stuff that I listen to Dylan talk about, uh, just sitting around the kitchen or watching the race that, that I find fascinating. So George gets the day off, and then he'll come back for the TT, and then uh, and then I guess you and me will clean this bad boy up on Sunday. <laughs> all right? Maybe over mimosas. Rosé. Uh, Rosé all day. <laughs> all right, Sunday. thanks, y'all.